Oh man, dude, it's, uh, it's living the dream right here, man, with this uh, tight golf shirt, bro. Tight golf shirt? Dude. What is that? Uh, polo, right? Dude. I see the logo in the corner. Dude, it's, a, it's a Ralph Lauren shirt, bro. I'm Ralph just, Lauren, okay. Yo, I'm just like walking around the office looking like a, looking like a G. Oh yeah? Did yeah. people compliment your shirt today? You're funny enough, and I always ask the question, yo, this is compliment the assets. Compliment the assets. So yeah. your face and your eyebrows, right? <laughs> nah, bro, we're talking, we're talking about the biceps, bro. The biceps, bro. okay. You gotta admit, we both do our eyebrows once dude, a month. buddy, like, Oh, do you still go? I remember you went yo, for the first time I before. Did, yeah. You were so happy about it. I know, dude. Funny enough. Yo, so one day and my coworker just, he was helping a customer. He just went to the back and started laughing. That you did your eyebrows? Yeah. Really? Yeah, because I came and he's like, what the fuck are you doing? He doesn't think men can do eyebrows, in no. his opinion. No, because like, it was so awkward. It was the first time I ever did it, right? <laughs> so I was like, I was like, hey, buddy, I'm just going to fucking do this eyebrow, like mm. right in the corner before I start work. So yeah, sure. Go ahead, man. So he looks at me while he's helping a customer set up the phone, puts the phone down, walks in the back of the room. You can yeah. hear him laughing. Really? Yeah, it's like, wow. It's pretty common nowadays. I got my eyebrows done today, yeah. funny enough. Yeah. And I get them done by some Indian ladies close by to SFU Surrey here. Yeah. And there was a girl sitting next to me who mm -hmm. was waiting to get her eyebrows done too. I'm like, are you next yeah, yeah. for eyebrows? Yeah. And I'm like, she's like, yeah. yeah. So I'm like, okay, cool. I'm after you. She's like, wait, you do your eyebrows too? I didn't think men did them. She was so shocked that I was there to do my eyebrows. Really? And then I asked the, uh, the, the lady who was going to do the eyebrows. She said it's very common now, about 70 to 80% of brown men do their eyebrows from of her, well, of course, man. from her opinion. But that's the thing. I think people just don't understand that males groom too, man. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, fuck. Like, see, funny enough, man, because I think you also groom your facial hair too, right? Oh yeah, I got it lined up too. I got my beard done today. Too. I got a haircut today. Mother that's why I was a bit late. Motherfucker, man. The thing is, so like on Saturday, right? My mom, just, I wake up. My mom has a shaving kit. She's like, I'm gonna shave that shit off your face. Your mustache. Yeah. You were doing it in November. You yeah. shave now. I just realized. Yeah, I did, dude. Because I had a goatee, right? And she was like, You look like a monkey's ass. Really? Well, yeah. you could have groomed it. You could have <laughs> trimmed it nicely, shape it a little Bro. bit to make it look more presentable. Dude, when you live with a Filipino woman for 24 hours, seven days a week, you're, yeah. you're, you're gonna cave in. She's like, yeah. every day, every morning, like you look ugly. Oh, like, that's something we both relate on. We both have Filipino moms, so we have a lot of funny stories about them. Yeah. What my mom said to me, you know how some Asian parents are low-key racist? She's like, so, so like, <laughs> yeah. disclosure to everyone, we're both half uh, brown, half Filipino. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And my mom told me before, uh, Anakta means my child in mm. Filipino. Shib your beard. If you have beard, you look like really Indian. If you clean shave, you look like Espanol, Spanish. And I'm like, okay, mom, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I know, dude. Yeah, see, at least she makes those connotations. Like, for me, it's like, yeah, you look like a monkey's ass. Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah. well, my mom always compliments about, like, my weight and, like, to shave my beard. Like, it's messy. Yeah. You know? It's funny enough, because, like, like being, around, being around my mom for so long, it's it's desensitized me to a lot of things, because she just says whatever's on her mind. Oh, yeah, I can relate 100%. I yeah. think a lot of, not just Filipino yeah. moms, but Asian moms, mm -hmm. Are very blunt with their kids. Hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. You know, they, they like if you don't care if they hurt your feelings, you'll just say what's on their mind. Of course, like like you're fat. Like, oh, yeah. cool. Like you look I, ugly. Oh. And then when she gives me food, she gives me a full plate of rice. I'm like, you just called me fat twenty minutes ago. <laughs> yeah. And you're giving me this big of a serving of rice. This is like counterproductive, right there. I, I know. It's, it's it's. I think it's also a cultural thing, just to feed your kids or even just feed people that come in your house. Yeah. It's like, why the fuck are you giving me so much rice? Yet you call me fat. Yeah. <laughs> like, what, 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 what do you want from me, right? <laughs> Shit, man. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's actually gotten me like a bit of trouble, like in my past employment because I just tend to say shit <laughs> without thinking mm. and it, yeah it's like the delivery is pretty bad man oh yeah so yeah. your office is pretty I guess non-PC they can bear with well, things that are a little bit pushing the limits see the, that's the thing dialogue. It, it actually depends on who you talk to because I think I've kind of learned to navigate the, the corporate culture a bit mm. where there's certain things you would say to certain people and there's people that I wouldn't give a fuck about if I just said whatever I wanted to say so you get to know which of your co-workers yes. who can you know take some you know I guess 
less tasteful jokes more easily than some other coworkers. Dude, and honestly, you can you can tell you can you can quickly develop who who's cool or not just based on the first five to ten minutes of talking to someone. Mm, okay. Yeah. Have you ever messed up though, where you talk to someone you think like it's an okay thing to say, and afterwards in the end up being offended by what you said? Many times, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because how do you deal with that then? Mm -hmm. I don't know. I should, I should get written up for it. At least you were fired, I guess. No, so you I, got I, a stern warning. Yeah, I got a written warning. I was like, oh, fuck. Uh, maybe I shouldn't say this. Was it to a coworker or to a customer? I don't know. But oh, well, someone reported. You don't even know what you yeah, did. Yeah, exactly. No, it was like you said something that was crude and like. But they offensive. didn't specify what you exactly said. Exactly. So okay, I'm like, that's kind of unfair then. It is because like, what, like, what the fuck did I say? Like, how can I improve on something if I don't know what it is? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's but like nowadays, I'm basically sensing who's okay with certain things and who's not okay with certain things and yeah. when you've been around the workforce for quite a bit of time you can definitely um see right off the bat who's really cool or who's really not yeah. especially outside of work uh, you, you can say some pretty dumb shit once you're drunk oh definitely yeah yeah, yeah. once you're like out drinking after work with, with all your co-workers you know things change dude, Pe people seem different than they are at work dude, fuck, are you kidding me man yeah. dude like oh my god like i remember one guy just told me like um then this one i started was work shit is work shit if you're at the bar we don't talk about work mm, okay so like your your identity's separate from your work and I don't know. Really, it's interesting because like you know in some cultures mm -hmm. people still talk a little bit about work. Yeah. When they're out, you know, after work. And we still we still do, but like it's like your identity needs to be separate from work and w when you go out. So mm -hmm. for example, if you get fucked up uh, on the bar. Mm -hmm. We've been both. We both been there. Dude, yeah. we've, we've, oh, fuck, <laughs> we we we. Have, I've had bad nights. You had bad nights. Oh my god, yeah. Oh, I remember passing out my front yard. That was stupid. Oh really? Fuck, okay. I'm so dumb. I'm like, yeah. The, the goal the goal was that if you pass out after hours, then that doesn't count towards what you do in the office because that's separate. I yeah, agree. I saw a really cool meme yeah. on Facebook a couple weeks ago or on Instagram. Yeah. Where the best teleportation advice is alcohol. One minute you end up, you know, outside on Granville Street. The next minute you're black. The next minute you're just in front of your house. You know. It's the best teleportation advice. You don't even remember what happened. No, I do, bro. And you go from point A to yeah. point B. And that's the right thing, away. man. Like, see, I'm at this point in my life where I want total control over everything. You ever mm -hmm. watch that? You ever watch that movie Fifty Shades of Grey? I haven't seen it, no. Dude, buddy. For those who don't know, <laughs> check that fucking movie out. It's it's great. Is is the sequel as good? I hear it's not as good as the first movie. Okay, like it, it depends where you where you come from. Like in terms of the story, it's actually way better than the first one because it has a lot more action. Mm. So Fifty Shades Darker is about I don't wanna, you know I'll, I'll fucking spoil it. Yeah. Fifty Shades Darker is about Anastasia's boss who has a thing for her. Okay, I thought that was the plot of the first movie. No, the plot of the first movie is basically uh, her trying to. It's 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 basically her you know understanding her sexual being and the guy learning to lose control. That's about the first book. Okay, so you, you recommend it's a must-watch for most people? Uh, on, if, you, if you're into a different type of love story, then yeah, man. Okay. And the thing is, people you know, talk about, oh, it's just BDSM, it's, it's violence, it's all That's what I assumed for, for the most part. But if you look past it, it's all about control. Because okay. Christian Grey starts off with a guy who is very controlling. He wants everything to be controlled. No alcohol, no weed, no anything to store his, mm. his mental state. Really? Okay. But then he learns over you know, meeting Anastasia that, hey, I need to let go because there's not everything, I, have everything, I can't control everything. Mm -hmm. it, it goes, you know, from his suit because he starts off with like a really tailored professional suit to like a more casual business sense, of, right, mm. to more tech type of vibe. So I see. Okay. It's 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 a, it's a definitely a, it's a good show to watch. So you, and so Parasite. You, did you read that. the book as well, or are you just basing this off the movies? I read a bit of the book, but I'm most I, I'm basing this off the movies. Okay. Because the book okay. is so it's so f badly written. Really? Okay. I'll admit, I never watch or I never read the book versions of movies. I only watch the movies. So so Harry Potter, you never read the never book read the books. A lot of people say you should read the book. There's a yeah. lot of details in the mm -hmm. movies that are missed from the books but right. like you know it's like thousand page books i don't have time for that <laughs> but the thing is man like reading is super important too man i think people forget about how, the importance of reading it is it's true true but yeah. like i can watch the movie each movie is approximately two hours mm -hmm. and to spend that much time getting every itty bitty detail you gotta use your time wisely true yeah you can't just read 
Unless if you're, that's your hobby, you know, reading. Well, the thing is, like, I, I've kind of like got away from fiction and more or less into autobiographies or just oh, that's development good. books. Like, um, I'm reading this. Ke- I'm reading this Kevin Hart book. Um, hmm. what was that? Let me let me pull it up on my phone, man. Kevin Hart. Do you have seen some of his uh, shows on Netflix? His Netflix specials? No, I haven't. It's pretty good. Like my favorite, I would say Dave Chappelle. Yeah. Is better. Yeah. Uh, my favorite comedians, you know, are Joe Coy and Dude, Russell Peters. Joe Saw them both live last year. Uh, I can't make this up by uh, Kevin Hart. But yeah, yeah Joe, up, okay. Joe, Coy, Joe Coy, man, that dude relates to us on a, on a level 100%, that's unreal. 100%. Because those who don't know, he, he's half Caucasian, half Filipino. And most of his jokes are based on growing up with a Filipino mom yeah. and with Filipino relatives, and it's so relatable. It is, man. He talks about making perfect rice. Oh, yeah, just half, you know, the finger, the line, yeah, on your it's like index cool. finger. You take it in, you swish it around, pour it out, then yeah. you just fill the water up to the finger. I'm like, buddy, that shit's too real. Mm-hmm. It's too real. It's, it's too yeah, real. I gotta say, the best live show I've ever seen was Joe Koi live in Vancouver last April. Best live show, Yo, hands down, I've ever seen. Mad invite, by the way. I think I were you in town? Or? <laughs> no, I was. You, you invited me. <laughs> okay, you, you didn't come for some reason. I don't know why. Uh, I think I was working or some shit. Okay, there were two yeah. shows back to back, so. Wow. <laughs> I went to the late show at like ten thirty. God, you motherfucker. <laughs> yeah, it was hilarious because he was making a yeah. joke about like Filipino lolas, Filipino grandmothers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How they have like short hair, glasses. <laughs> Uh, they laugh a certain way and like they have their purse on their lap yes and lo and behold I was sitting next to a Lola short hair curly mm-hmm. hair glasses purse on lap and she was laughing you know the Filipino tita laugh <laughs> you know <laughs> the typical tita laugh the or Lola laugh fucking tita laugh it's, it's yeah it's, it's oh my god yeah. like a lot of you says it's true it's um he talks about how many nurses are, are in the audi- are in the room, and mm. like most of them cheer because they're fucking nurses. Yeah, yeah. It's, Highly recommended it, you yeah. check out his Netflix specials. I believe there's two. The, the one, the Hawaii special, I believe is. Yeah, really the first good. one yeah. I think was recorded in Seattle. Mm-hmm. That one's really good, and then mm-hmm. the latest one was recorded from his tour last year. Oh yeah. So comparing it to the show I watch, about fifty to sixty percent of the jokes were similar. Okay. You know, sometimes he changes the context based on the city he's in, but yeah, definitely recommend. If you're into if you're into racial jokes especially dude i mean racial jokes are <laughs> it's weird man because i think like comedies is different nowadays um who who's that who's that uh, guy from snl that got kicked out of columbian university uh, he, was, I don't he, he was this indian um comedian who, who just basically said that uh if you're black and gay then why would you double down on the negatives because, i don't know what does that mean black ba- and gay basically what happens like you know um if you're black then it's harder to progress society but if you're also gay it's also tougher to progress in society. Oh, I see. Okay. So when he made that joke, it's like, why well, would someone actively choose to be black and gay? He got kicked out of the uh, Columbia University for being offensive. He was, he was an Indian comedian. Yeah. On SNL. Yeah. And, and, right and it's like, dude, it's fucking comedy. Okay. Like, is, is it a season? Sorry, that's somebody else. No, it's not. It's not a season. Sorry, I forgot, I forgot his name. But okay. He was just, yeah. He was an SNL writer, and it's it's like, why would you get offended over that? Mm. If, if 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 the thing is just basically saying be prepared to be offended, yet you get kicked off for being offended, then it's counterintuitive. Mm. This, this goes back to the point where sometimes you have to really figure out what is acceptable, what is not for like most societal standards mm-hmm. overall. Mm-hmm. Like, you know what happened to Don Cherry a few weeks ago? Yeah, so for those who don't know, just you can give uh, some context. Yeah, basically Don Cherry on a hockey night in Canada. Um, I'm not a big hockey fan, so I don't really watch the show, but I saw the clip. It was about 30 seconds. He was making a comment. This was before Remembrance Day for those listening from the US. That's basically Veterans Day. I believe it's the same day. He was so mm-hmm. a lot of people because this show was recorded in Toronto walking around without their poppies. So in Canada, you wear the poppy as a sign of remembrance for the fallen soldiers in past wars that they have fought in Canada and even current soldiers fighting now as a sign of respect. And he made a comment that you people who come to this country, uh, you should wear the poppy. And I believe the keyword was you people, that it was like not tasteful and it was like 
putting down immigrants and like he was fired for that comment and I like I said a lot of stuff in the past apparently that it added up to his firing but I don't think he should have been fired no that's bullshit bullshit it's it's, mm-hmm. it's we should respect those soldiers because like uh like for example the poppy for us means a lot because my grandfather fought in the war against japan mm. so world war world war two okay. two yeah and thank god he survived he actually he actually met margaret thatcher he has, oh, yeah, he, has, yeah. he has a picture with him it's like one of our proud family moments mm. so for us we have a lot of respect for veterans because we have someone in the family that has fought in a war uh but to for them not to recognize the sacrifice of these people it's 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 disgusting for me like it's I think God, he's, I think I think he shouldn't have been fired, right? I shouldn't have been fired. No, no. Because no. think about it. Like, if you, like uh, we celebrate Christmas before Remembrance Day. Like you see, like all these Christmas deals coming out prior to November 11th. Mm, yeah, yeah. That's why people say don't put up your decorations or starting mm-hmm. jingle bells or any you know Christmas carols yeah. until after Remembrance Day. People say that. Yeah, exactly. And like my dad was very adamant about that because that's just that, for us. That was disrespectful towards our, our grandpa, right? Mm. Or Tata, as someone has to call yeah. it. But for Dontre's mm-hmm. comments. Mm-hmm. Like, I guess he could have worded it better, but I feel like... Because people are too sensitive nowadays. Dude, are you fucking kidding me? He worded it better? Like, obviously, he... Like, oh, okay, fine. He could have said... And even in the apologies video, he said, yeah, quote-unquote, follow-up video. He's like, yeah, we should, should, should change it to everyone. Like, mm-hmm. everyone who doesn't wear a poppy should do this. But mm-hmm. you can you can kind of assume that he, that's what he meant um, mm-hmm. if you weren't so fucking sensitive over everything. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I think people are just offended over everything, man. Mm-hmm. kind of pisses me off. Is this relates to you yeah. getting written up or your comments. Yeah. There's a threshold. Mm-hmm. And you really have to thread the line if you're like a person who's not PC, who just says what's on their mind. Mm-hmm. You still have to have some sort of filter. And there's a threshold of what is acceptable and what could get you fired or get you in trouble. Of course. I, of course. Like, for example, you can't call a customer a shithead over the phone. You know what I mean? Or you, can, you can't call someone an <laughs> asshole. Like, there's obviously limits that you have to do. And those limits are pretty self-defined. Like, you don't mm-hmm. have to... Yeah, they're there, but... I think everyone's just super offended about most things now. Mm-hmm. I think it's because, like, and this is just my personal anecdote. I think it's just we live in a time where it's so peaceful that we find our own problems to deal with. Mm-hmm. You know, there is there, so true. There's a saying. Uh, have you ever read the book? Um, uh, somebody, you, you know, you know Jordan Peterson. Jordan, Pe- uh, is he the professor the fr- at University U- of Toronto? U- 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 okay. Yeah, you, two books I recommend uh, you read is uh, Maps of Meaning and The uh, Twelve Rules of Life. Mm. They're about 30-hour books if you listen to them audio. It's about 60 hours of, of content. But, yeah, he, he talks about this concept of, of humans where if we were given everything, we'd still find problems. Mm. We'd still find problems. Like, like If I was happy if I had everything in the world, I would still take something from me because I it makes me feel I think better. I watched an interview mm-hmm. with him that he touched on this idea where, as human beings, it is our like nature to find and resolve conflict. We can't just always be happy. In order to be happy, we have to know when we're upset or sad. Mm-hmm. So we can't just always be in a pleasant state. You have yeah. to go through problems, grow from those problems, and resolve and move on from them. So to you know, be a, I guess, rounded person and learn from life. I think this is what's happening now. We're like, everything is so good that we're finding our own problems to create. Hmm. I guess that's also a factor of living you know, in Canada and such a beautiful first mm-hmm. world country. Now, for most people, I guess, you know, basic needs are net. We have clean water. You know, we have you know, good systems here. Yeah. Now, we don't have to worry about those sort of things. We find problems in the most I guess smallest of issues mm-hmm. for example like yo, when I wore this golf shirt I was like yo do I look good in this golf shirt man you do man you look very yo, good thanks bro like okay if I walk on <laughs> if I walk on the street or, or let's say I walked on the office man and if I had this golf shirt would you be like yo this dude lives I would say so yeah see this is yeah. the conflict I had man was ah, is this golf shirt too like is this too loose on me bro no, if you have the biceps to show off then why not show Ready? them off right yeah like, this is what I'm doing right now man for those who can't see it yeah. Just right here, man. Just, just flexing. Yeah, too bad we couldn't do a video today, you know? Like, you could have got that on No, camera. funny enough, man, like, uh, we were, so we had this room booked uh, for the for, for this university, and it's only made for specific students. 
Seat students. Yeah. yeah. But what they didn't tell us was when we booked the room that I had to be a Seat student. So I booked the room four or five days in advance. So I'm like, hey, look, this is the room. It's going to be really cool. Only for me not to find the room. So we spent about 30 minutes just looking for a place to, to record. And <laughs> now we're in the new SFU building.、Mm-hmm. So those not familiar with SFU,、uh, we're at the Surrey campus actually. They have a brand new building that just opened this semester. It's huge, and surprisingly, there's barely anyone inside here. I see a few pe- students studying, but there are a lot of empty spots. So I guess people are just not aware yet. Don't tell to them. Come here. Yeah. No, no, <laughs> don't fucking tell them this is our place. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, if we, you know, send this podcast mass out to SFU, maybe post it in SFU used book sales or something yeah, exactly. like that. Exactly. That's how you can blow up. <laughs> just, just kidding. This room does not exist. Don't, don't walk across the street from SFU.、Yeah. We're basically in a giant area. It's really modern design, like a yeah, big staircase, a lot of. Tr- we're next to like a bunch of trees, and it's just all open space. So we're just chilling here. Dude, honestly, man, I think people underestimate the importance of nature, bro. Oh yeah, definitely. No, dude. Like、yeah. when I went to this is like legit. Like when I went to Toronto, man, in the summer. I was like, my first impression was, holy shit, the city is ugly as fuck. I think we have different perceptions of what's beautiful and what's ugly. I I, I agree that like Vancouver,、mm-hmm. our downtown is not as you know doesn't stand out as much as other downtowns, skylines, you know, especially in Asia、mm-hmm. and cities in the U.S. But I find that I find architecture very beautiful as well. To see like a nice skyline, nature is good as well.、Mm-hmm. But it just depends what you're looking for. It, no, it's weird because it, it, it was such a shock to me because like when I went to Toronto, I was like, yo, there's no trees on the sidewalk. Like、mm-hmm. for stuff you usually take for granted, the minute it's not there, you kind of realize, oh, this is kind of weird. Okay, cool. I've been to Toronto a few times. I never noticed about the trees on the sidewalks thing. Because in Vancouver,、mm-hmm. that's pretty common. Exactly. Or even even grass on the sidewalk. It's like holy shit, there's no grass on the sidewalk. Like、mm-hmm. what the fuck is this?、Yeah. It was so it was so weird, man. And because in Toronto we'd be walking around, so one street would be like really nice, then the next street would have like these really old like brick houses. It's kind of like a haunted house. Mm-hmm. Like I was staring at this Airbnb in、uh, in Toronto, and it was I swear to God I was so scared to enter in because the place we had had no light, like like in the in the there's no street light.、Mm. Oh, it was trippy, man. I was actually kind of scared. Yeah, you couldn't switch though. Exactly. <laughs> It's like what the fuck? Like okay, but whatever. Yeah, this was wait. In、uh, you said it was a more smaller buildings area. It was a house. It, it was it was a.、Um, This is insurance. But, but, this is insurance term, by the way. It's a、uh, it's a it's a bungalow for for the for those、uh, who are insured. But it was still、um, in the downtown core. Yeah, it's、okay. yeah. It was, it was like a street off the downtown. Because I, I know when I've been there, I went to the. It was like Caribbean market or like you know. Oh,、uh, the, oh, Caribana, right? I think so. They had a lot of、mm-hmm. restaurants and shopping over there. It's like smaller buildings, just、mm-hmm. out. It's basically in downtown still, but like a little bit outside the tall buildings. Is that the same area you were staying? No, no, no. We're staying on.、Uh, we're staying near College Street. So basically, we're、uh, we're near near U of T. So、uh, it's basically、okay. a lot of students. Living around the area,、mm. yeah.、Um, but it's yeah, it's like how the fuck can a place in downtown Toronto have no streetlights?、Mm. It's so weird. Like, it, was, it was kind of it was kind of kind of creeped me out for a bit. I guess the budget then didn't call for it. Too much no removal budget. Yeah, no, for, <laughs> you know, if, yeah, it is. And honestly, like I, at this point, I'd rather just live with my aunt in West Toronto. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah.、But、these but, are all good things to know because I'll be moving to Toronto in a couple months to start work there.、Mm-hmm. And yeah, although I've been there a few times, I'm looking forward, you know, to be in a new city, make new friends, get a fresh start there. Yeah, so I think I think it's good, man. But then I think the minute you kind of go to a place, you kind of figure out what you don't have. You kind of miss like what's you you guarantee, right? Yeah. For example, like、um, when I went to Vegas, man, I was like, holy shit, the air here is pretty bad.、Mm, like, Vegas,、okay. Vegas, yeah. Maybe it was just the humidity. Like I don't think it's polluted in Vegas. It's just like it's so humid I, in the I summer. I don't know. Right? See, I don't know, right? But then like that's the that's I realized, holy shit, clean air. The air here is. Go to Foshan, China. You'll see what bad air、oh, really is. Oh yeah. Yeah. So I've been to China many times.、Okay, uh, basically, for my dad's line of work, he exports from China goods to North America, and I've been up to a lot of the factory cities in China, and the air quality is especially bad. My mom got really sick last time we were there. She was with us, 
and that's why like I guess the culture here even for Chinese people who come here they still wear the mask because that's like oh, part of a, their oh that, is that why they do it? I thought it's because they're sick I think that could be a part reason as mm-hmm. well but maybe they could be used to poor air quality where it's just natural for them to go out in public wearing a face mask mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah but yeah. like it was all smog like you could see the sun partly coming through the clouds but like it was like a very dreary it didn't even look like fog it just looked like smog are you fucking yeah so don't people get sick from that or, or like is, is it that, that has to well, be some sort of health warning people right? get used to it you know um, I'm sure there are some health complications you know down the road long term complications but China has you know rapidly developed it's a developing country and even back you know in the US and Canada during I guess the industrial revolution mm-hmm. you know coal burning and all that China still burns a lot of coal I believe so it's one aspect of development hopefully they get past that and go to more clean you know energy sources and the pollution cleans up pretty soon hopefully man but like, the question is how is that going to happen though do you think do you think they'll happen through say innovation of the market where there's an incentive for no pun intended but there's incentive for you know companies or even entrepreneurs like like our like just entrepreneurs in general to create more greener technology I would say so that's part of it as well I think China's getting more has to first get to the standards of Western countries you know Europe and Europe and Canada um, and also it's part of the nature of the economy most people would agree and are familiar with the fact that China is really known for manufacturing a lot of things are made in China and that's really what the economy has been based on but in the last 20 30 years uh, the middle class has rapidly been growing and there has been a transition more so to services now. And it seems that China's making a lot of investments in Africa. And Africa is becoming China's China. Explain that. So, so explain that more. Explain that more. Explain that more, okay. Uh, yeah, so to, let's start with the services. So what do you mean by services? Do you mean things like fiber where like you're, you're gonna outsource certain tasks for them to do at a cheaper rate or? What do you mean fiber, can you say? Fiber, so you've heard of fiber? Uh, so five G, that's not no the same fiber. Thing. So so if, okay, that, no. let's let's give an example. Let's yeah. say that I want I want a website to be built, but I don't know how to do it. Yeah. What I can do is I can go on Fiverr, contact someone to do it, pay them some really cheap rate, and they can do it for me. Okay. Yeah. So like yeah, just what different services, say? whether it be Fiverr, website building, mm-hmm. financial services, you know, consulting, accounting. It seems now as the middle class is growing, a lot of the economy now is transitioning into services such as Fiverr, web building, and all that. You talk over the mic. Yeah, man. And uh, another thing I guess people should be aware of is the One Belt, One Road initiative. Uh, one Belt, One Road. Have one. you heard of this? No, 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 no. So China really wants to be a powerhouse in the world. You know, uh, I believe China is pretty soon going to overtake, if it hasn't already, overtake the U.S. as the largest economy in the world. And it's basically now a race between the U.S. and China who can be number one in a sense uh, economically and have a lot of influence in the world. And China's making a lot of strategic investments in countries, uh, you know, in South Asia, go towards Europe, towards Africa, in infrastructure such as rail lines, pipelines, you know, routes, so you can, they can transport goods from uh, China to like Europe and Africa very seamlessly and have like a very smooth system in that, sort, in that sense. So they're investing a lot in these developing countries. Okay. Yeah. Okay, and, and what's, what's in it for them? Is it just royalties in return or like... Why would they invest in these countries? Like, there has to be some sort of return for China. Well, they'll get returns. So, like, for example, Africa. It's rich in a lot of resources. So by making investments in their rail lines and their roads and their infrastructure, they're expecting, you know, to have access to those markets, access to those resources, and being able to send, you know, their goods from China to those countries as well. So they're putting in that investment to get a return out of it in different ways. Interesting. So if that makes sense. Interesting. 
Interesting. Yeah. Okay, so it's basically yeah. a business investment. Business investment, yeah. Okay, okay. But mm-hmm. do, you, do you think they'll backfire in the long run, though, in terms of these countries allowing China to reinvest into their city? or? In- well, I, I, I would say, like, in a lot of these countries, you know, they're developing. Maybe the government isn't as, you know, transparent or, you know, there's a lot of corruption going on. Like, I remember when I was a kid driving uh, uh, with my family in India, a lot of the signs on the highway, they were half signs. So, you know, it says, like, you know, 100 kilometers to the next city. It was, like, half the sign built. And I'm, I'm like, Dad, what, what is that? Like, why are all these signs not fully built? He's like, oh, it's corruption. They paid half, and then the rest, like, they just pocketed oh or whatever, you know. Oh, my God, it's fun. So, yeah. I guess with China putting in the effort, I guess, to improve these countries, obviously, I guess the governments are, like, happy. Oh, yeah, invest in us. You know, you'll have access to our markets. You'll have access to our resources that we have here. You know, like, if you want to buy something, we'll go with you instead of the U.S. or something, you know. Okay. You know, building those relationships. You know, when you invest in these countries, you make them happy. You build those relationships. Of course, yeah, it's, it's business at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it, oh my God, it, it is. Yeah, because I mean, I think that's also what happened in uh, after World War Two, well, as well, because I think um, pretty much most countries after World War Two owed money to the states, which is why they got to where they were got at because they just they had to have been paid. Oh, okay. I wasn't too familiar with that. Yeah. Okay. yeah. So owed money to the states in the sense because for providing, like, I guess, weaponry and yeah, you know, exactly. Okay. And, yeah. Stuff like that. So I think that's kind of what's going on, I guess, but in mm. a smaller scale, I think. I don't think this is going to be a large scale. Oh, it's very no. talked about, especially in Asia. Mm. Yeah, because they're making these investments, especially rail lines, you know, boating routes and all that, shipping routes. Like, if this if this like pans out, it's going to be big for China. So you think within the next twenty years, you think you think they're going to be like a fucking powerhouse? Like, a, a well, even in the last thirty years, for those who don't know, um, about forty years ago, China opened up their economy, um, basically. Before then, people couldn't really, I guess, travel to China or invest in China or there was not really trade with China. And after the government introduced elements of capitalism into the one-party system, uh, rapid economic development, double-digit growth, and the poverty rate, I believe, from the late 70s or mid to late 70s to now dropped from about 80%. Now it's like less than 5%. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, of course, I mean, no, no, I, I, I know when... This is this is kind of interesting for me because I've noticed that a lot of students here, and just in terms of university students, like to take the uh, route that socialism improves all. Like I, I don't know if you want to talk about you know different ideologies in terms of what people in the in, in the West believe. It's interesting yeah. um, comparing how society and governments operate in Western countries compared to a country like China, and even comparing it to like democracies in developing countries like India, how they differ. Um, here in here in Canada, of course, we have multiple parties. Uh, we have the Liberals and Conservative, the two, two main parties, NDP and so forth, other smaller parties. And what I find is, you know, there's elections every now and then. Sometimes the Liberals are in power, sometimes the Conservatives are in power. We have a House of Commons, there's opposition. It's less efficient in a sense where you don't get as much done. Whereas in China, although they're communist, you know, they, they say that they have socialist, communist policies. By having one party, the Communist Party, and el- introducing elements of capitalism, such you know, such as a free market—not a free market. There are like restrictions, but you know, allowing investment from abroad, allowing international trade, and all that. The economy has really taken off. People are prospering now. The middle class has boomed. So one could really argue that, you know, having a one-party system, although it does really put a lot of power in the government, avoids the issue of you know flip-flopping. You know, when one government's in power, then you know it switches to another one, reversing something else the government has done like for example trump he's repealed obamacare that was a lot of work put into that and the next president can just come in and like trash it completely whereas something like that wouldn't happen in china people are on the same page they are unified and they get shit done more quickly because of that so, so you're saying that uh the, so the cost to give up uh, human rights and freedoms 
for a more efficient economy? Is that, is that kind yeah, of that's, what's that's going interesting. on? Yeah, that's interesting. Like, I never majored in political science, but recently I've been taking up a lot of interest in politics and really looking into different political systems. And yeah, one could argue in China, I've been there many times. I've been there maybe 40 times already. I've been going there since I was a kid. And generally people are very happy. I think the perception that people have in the West is the government is oppressive. They don't really treat people, their people well. They don't have rights. People basically have pretty similar rights they have to people in Canada, except the main one is they can't really speak out against the government. The government is, you know, supreme there. You gotta, you know, just, you know, live with the government that you have. Although there are some elections, it's one party. And, you know, generally Chinese people are okay with that because, you know, the bottom line is the result has been the middle class has blown up. Their relatives, you know, their grandparents 40 years ago were very poor. And now they can be in big cities, they can, you know, go shopping, they can go through schooling, be educated. So their quality of life has definitely improved so much that I guess in the sense, these people are willing to trade off some of their freedoms to, you know, receive these benefits in return. Okay, so, but then you talk about the introduction of capitalism improving the overall economy of China and the overall middle class. Is that, is that correct? Is that just to paraphrase what you said? Yeah, in the sense that you're introducing capitalism into a one-party system. Okay. So it's mainly to do with the government not being able to switch between you know different parties and the other party or the next president repealing or taking back what the last party did. You don't really get things done as quickly and efficiently. Like you can see, for example, China's investing a lot into high-speed rail, uh, public transit and all that. A uh, new rail line in China could be built in probably a third of the time it's built here in Canada. We're here in Surrey. They're talking about extending the Expo line now. <laughs> probably going to be done, what, in 10 years? Some, a project like this in China would be done in like two years. Oh, yeah, because then we had, what, they had the stupid LRT, pro, uh, yeah. yeah. the stupid fucking LRT uh, project, which was scrapped. Yeah. I think, well, how much was it to scrap it? Or I think it was and see, see, that's the point here, yeah. too, because it, it was the municipal government. There was a different mayor, uh, different uh, councillors, part, part of, you know, the, the municipality. Then when there was the election, a new government came in, a new mayor, and just scrapped it. I remember near my house, I lived pretty close to the rail line. They already started digging. There was big closures, traffic. Yeah. There was a big sign, LRT coming soon. Sign was gone. You had to refill the holes and all that. And that's co that costs money. Yeah, that costs money, you know. Yeah. So this money, these dollars are being wasted. This money is being wasted because, you know, an election comes and the party before who already started a project, the next government can just come and just scrap it, you know. Damn. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess it's something to, to think about. But I, and this is, I think I just want to come back to this point where um, I've noticed a lot of uh, students here, like especially in North America, you know, they're anti-capitalism. They're against, you know, the idea of capitalism. Mm. We've, we've talked about this a lot. Yeah. Um, but, but my question is, I guess, in your opinion, like, why would that be the case? Like, why is that? Why is there such an anti-capitalism attitude here in the West? There, there was a really good mm -hmm. video, I believe I shared with you, uh, an interview of Kevin O'Leary. Yeah. of how a lot of young people, including himself, he admitted to, mm -hmm. when they're young, you know, in high school and university, people start off as socialists, you know. They're not really working yet, they're not making their own money. Many kids are still, even in university, living with their parents, their housing's yeah. provided. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they, 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 get, they get food on their plate, they don't really have to work as much. They may, you know, work a job just to pay for school if their parents aren't paying for school, but they live a pretty good life. And then when they get into the real world, when they move out of their house, get their own place, start having to pay for their own expenses. They realize it's a rough world out there. And the word tax comes into play when they start like oh making like a higher income level. Mm -hmm. yeah. And you realize a large proportion of it is going to pay taxes. They're like, I earn this money, like I'm paying this much. So, you know, I'm sure you would agree to accept no, with that. 100%, yeah, because yeah. I mean, this is where I come from because it's the point where I don't have enough incentive to work harder because I get taxed more. 
Mm-hmm. So get into a higher tax bracket exactly, as well. Exactly. Exactly. So what's the point of me going through school, going through all this uh, hardship if I if I can just make the same amount as if I worked at McDonald's or at least marginally a bit more? Mm-hmm. And minimum wage is something else. I don't know if you want to talk about well, it too. Let's fuck, let's fuck. <laughs> Lawrence, man, let's talk about anything and everything. I, I can I can let everyone know. Both of us don't believe in the minimum wage. Um, Joel, you could probably elaborate on it. You have a very strong opinion on it. Yeah, I mean, I just look at the. I mean, there's case studies in Singapore where there are no minimum wage, um, and if you look at um, so there's basically certain companies that have had it. The reason why it was implemented was because I think when they built uh, the railway, uh, they imposed that because they didn't want a lot of uh, Chinese foreign workers to to build it. Mm. So it actually increased the cost of production. Mm, okay. Mm, yeah, but e- e- even now, it's uh, if if I ran a business and if I had to pay a certain amount of money, I'd rather just offshore it. Because for me, it's cheaper to run my business that way. Mm-hmm. It's, it's it's expensive to run it here, right? Well, how, how about for businesses like you know fast food, for example, or retail stores? Okay, let's look. Well, where, where do you need just a sales associate? You know. Yeah. Well, then again, it's 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 because you have to associate wage with higher skill income, because it's also um, a market in which you want to find good workers. Mm-hmm. So ideally, the, the higher wage you offer, and this is just a very simplistic uh, model here, but the highest. Uh, the higher wages you offer, then the more likely you're going to have higher skill candidates, which is mm-hmm. why Google pays so much, Facebook mm-hmm. pays so much. Mm-hmm. It's because they're able to track, you know, in terms of a competitive market of workers, mm-hmm. that type of job because they're offering $300,000 in a city mm-hmm. where $100,000 minimum is the poverty line. Mm-hmm. I, I agree pretty much with everything you've said. I think the main argument a lot of people have is, um, especially if you, as a single person, I guess minimum wage you can get by, but if you have a family, and you haven't developed those skills to get a high-paying job to provide for your for your spouse and kids, and you're making in BC it's thirteen eighty-five an hour. How are you going to feed your family? How are you going to put a roof over their head on the minimum wage? And that, and that sucks. I mean, like honestly, like I don't want to be sound as, as an asshole. Actually, I will sound like an asshole, but you shouldn't have had kids with a minimum, with a minimum wage job. Mm. You fucked up. Mm. But I, I mean, I think I think at that point there should be at least programs or systems in place where they can at least have the opportunity to earn higher skills, which can earn higher higher wages, which I think ha- they do have that. They have community colleges, they have mm-hmm. things like that that yeah. they can do. But that's the rough part of the system. Mm-hmm. If you already get into a position where it's, a position like that, it's hard to get out of because if you already have dependents, yeah. you know, let's say you have two kids, spouse, maybe parents to take care of in their old age, and you don't haven't developed those skills, you didn't you know go to trade school or go to university to get a degree to get a higher wage, it's hard to find the time to go back and get those skills when you Every hour is precious to make money, it's especially because, like you know, um, th- those like areas where with lower uh, education levels and just in terms of just single fam- single family homes, they tend to have a cycle of poverty, and that that and that just happens because they don't know any better. It's it just repeats generation after generation until, I mean, hopefully, one of them breaks out of the mold. Mm-hmm. Like in this case here, I mean, if if you notice in Stats Canada, like a lot of uh, ch- uh, first generation Chinese uh, citizens here actually make a lot more money than most people here. I think it's just because of edu- like the emphasis on education. Mm-hmm. Like as much as like you and I don't want to admit it, and how how we were pushed, uh, that helps in the long run in terms mm-hmm. of having that higher skill. Mm-hmm. But if you take that incentive away from me, saying, "Hey, look, I can," I'm just gonna get taxed more. Then what's the point of doing any of that stuff? Mm-hmm. I can just be a bum. On the, I can just work minimum wage for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. I'm not gonna go through ten years of being a doctor only to get taxed more. Mm-hmm. Right? It's, there needs to be an incentive there. Right? Okay. Yeah. And at the same time as well, it also offers jobs for, you know, for, and this is theoretically speaking, it also offers jobs uh, for high school students, for them to get experience. Mm. Because if you were to raise a minimum wage, you have to cut back on labor because mm-hmm. it's more expensive to operate. Mm. I was watching uh, some uh, documentaries and videos how when there was no minimum wage, 
you know, was mostly high school students taking these, you know, jobs yeah. in gas station attendants or, you know, fast food chains or retail stores. But when they introduced it, uh, the quality even reduced, got, um, went down as well of some of these services. Now we have, you know, full ser self-service pumps, uh, you know, automation with regards to, you know, ordering in fast food joints. So companies will find ways to get around, you know, minimum wage increases. Well, yeah, well, think about it. And like, like why, would the, why the fuck would you, uh, if it's cheaper to hire a machine to do the job of a cashier, then you do that. Mm. Because a machine can work 24, 24 seven, they have maybe lower maintenance costs than a cashier, mm. and they don't have to take two weeks vacation. Mm. So where do you think things are going now with, you know, robots and AI and machines taking over a lot of these jobs that people used to do? What Honestly, do you, do you I, um, I think there's gonna be, I think it's gonna open up a new industry where other people can look for jobs. So although you know one industry may be dead, there's going to be another industry that booms. Mm -hmm. And in this case, I think um, coding and CS students and things mm -hmm. with more things with AI, I think, are going to mm -hmm. come about. I think in the next five to ten years, sorry, the next ten to fifteen years, coding will be like a mandatory thing. Yeah, you put that really well because a lot of people nowadays are complaining, like, "Hey, the job that I used to have, it's not there anymore because technology made my role as a human obsolete." The thing is, when the economy is changing, new jobs come about. So like, you know, back in, before people would, uh, you know, it was like combustion engine or whatever, you know, old technologies, when they become obsolete, there's a, a job opportunities in new sectors. So people have to, you know, jump on those opportunities. So there's also a, like a struggle period between that, that and new opportunities. For example, if you were to get rid of, um, say, the, like if you were to have a country that has automated truck driving, do you, do you know how much that would fuck up a lot of people's lives? Because I'll take away the job of truck drivers. Mm. Yeah, it's it's there has to be some sort of transition to, to effectively move them into a new industry where they can yeah. learn that. But that, that's assuming it happens overnight, where like there's no more truck drivers, everything is automated. So I think in most cases there is a transition period where, during that time, you know, people in that sector where the jobs are disappearing, they can slowly transition into finding opportunities See, elsewhere. I, I don't think that's the case now. Really? No, no. Really? Well, well, think of fast how, how think of fast technology is growing, bro. Hmm. Right? Like the the rate of change is so much more faster than ever before like guys like Elon Musk are gonna they're gonna invent something really mm. really quickly and then as soon as the the market adopts that change it's just gonna be a fast fast the question is how fast this change or innovation or is it is adopted exactly and then that's a question I can't answer but I feel like that transition period is exponentially gonna decrease hmm Okay. Based on the based okay. on the on the way that we're developing technology and the based on the way that the uh, of, of globalization how everything is working out. So based on that assumption, that would probably allude to allude to a scenario where there's going to be periods where there's going to be mass unemployment, where people are scrambling to find new jobs or getting laid off, and like they're just not working. Yeah, I think so because they don't have enough time to to, 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 to learn these skills. Yeah, I, yeah. I, th I think that's going to happen, and that's a, and that's a scary thought. But then, you, you think teachers are going to be replaced by AI and robots? Elementary school, high hard school. To, hard to say for sure, but I think um, I think the I think the um, I don't I don't I don't ever think the education industry will ever go away. I think we'll just evolve into something else. Mm. Um, I, I think the fact that distance learning is going to be more popular mm. uh, because it's it, it can be done right now. Mm -hmm. But in terms of teachers going away, I don't see it coming because it's hard to have an AI teach empathy. Like there are True. a lot of soft skills that need mm. to be happen. Surprising enough, yeah. though, in China they've introduced AI news reporters. So some of the news is broadcast by an image that looks 100% human, but it's AI talking. So the lips are moving with the AI's voice, and it looks very authentic. It's not exactly human. You can tell there's something off about the person. It's not really a real human being, mm -hmm. but it's so well done, where it's like 90%. It looks like it's an actual person speaking. Yeah, I'd be scared shitless. Yeah. 
Dude, look, look it up. I don't know if it's on YouTube, but like, there's just like this dude talking, and the AI is perfectly mimicking the lips. The voice is coming with the lips. Dude, like, I'd be fucking freaked. I'd freak the fuck out. Oh yeah. No, well, like, that's where we're heading yeah, to. Yeah, it's it's, it's yeah, it's strange because. Then again, uh, you've heard a guy named Andrew Yang by any chance? Andrew Yang, yeah, presidential candidate. Yeah, yeah I think he talks. I don't know too much about this. I don't know if you could talk about this. But he talks about the uh, universal income. I haven't really too familiar. I saw his uh, interview with Joe Rogan. Did he talk about it on that one? He talked. No? I think he talked about th- on that one. He also talked oh, about. Uh, I don't recall. He wants to give every American twelve thousand dollars a year, so one thousand dollars a month. Mm-hmm. Is that what was the universal income he was talking about? I, I think so. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but he also talks about you know the uh, sacrifice of free call, free university tuition, like having it or not. Yeah, half having it. Having it, okay. Because you know, you know, a resource is valuable if it's scarce, mm. right? So if everyone is, and if you can kind of look at this right now, where most of us are getting these degrees, but we're not using these degrees nowadays. Mm. True. Yeah. So if if it were to be for free, then there'd be no, there wouldn't be as much value in it because everyone has them. It's not going to be a scarce resource anymore. Mm. Which is why people are pursuing their master's degree, which is why people are dropping out of school, which is why our degrees aren't leading us to the roles that we want to be in. It's because mm. everyone has these degrees now. It's nuts. It's, it's a bit of a different time. I, I, I remember, are you familiar with Peter Schiff? Yeah, Peter Schiff, yeah. Yeah, I saw an interview with him regarding uh, free education. Mm-hmm. And the main point he brought up was the fact that student loans are too easy to get. That's what's driving up college tuition. Of course, tuition. yeah. Because in Canada, I believe it's interest-free loans now, for example. And... Do they have that now, or? I think so. In some cases, I'm not sure. I'm so, not so, I never got so any. I thought it was like that. I thought it was like if you don't, if if it's six months after your final semester after you graduate, it, it kicks in. But while you're in school, you're not paying any interest. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. that's how it's structured. But you know, governments giving mass amounts of money to pay for school through student loans, and with universities, I believe they're private for the most part. Yeah, they're able to, uh, you know, drive up the price if students can pay more because of student loans, and it's going to drive up the prices. That's why. Back, let's say 30, 40 years ago, I think college tuition was a very small fraction of what it is now. I think it rose really about what 240 percent. Yeah. Because I know some, I know some of these industries are subsidized by the government, which mm. is why they're able to charge a bit more. Mm. But um, yeah, it's just like, dude, bro, at the age of 18, you're basically signing your life to like to, you're basically signing away to like a life from a debt. Mm. It's fucked. But yeah, but Peter Schiff's it's argument fucked. was, it's, it's not the issue of getting free education because everything was free, like you said. Um, it would be obsolete because everyone has the degree if everyone could go to school so it's about getting the prices lower again so people can make the decision where it is practical or not mm-hmm. and not having to pay thousands of dollars for degrees that may not be useful yeah. for them so it's about eliminating the accessibility to student loans because they're, they're, that's the key aspect in his opinion that's driving up the prices of course it's like how, e- how easy is it to get it right I think it's fairly easy it's pretty fucking easy yeah I mean funny enough I actually, I actually couldn't get it <laughs> oh yeah you know we talk about how easy this shit is but I actually couldn't, I could never get it like I applied when I was 18 but because you just I was, fill out a form or it was, yeah because okay funny enough I actually I'm not you know, I'm not gonna say this because it's illegal but <laughs> okay <laughs> don't admit to anything illegal on here <laughs> Long story short, because I was working enough, uh, I was working enough for me to finance my uh, my, my education. They just didn't, they, they didn't give me the student loans. Oh yeah, were you at Rogers at the time? No, I was, I was working at McDonald's, bro. Oh, okay. I was I was eighteen, right? Don't a lot of university students work at McDonald's? That's I, I guess a lot of those students would not be eligible for the student loans then. Well, exactly. I was like, I was like, what the fuck? Yeah. Like they they rejected me. Mm. Yeah, it was weird. This is something I wish I did. Uh, I won't name his name. I don't, I think it's legal. I think it's perfectly fine to do. But a friend of mine. Uh, because the you know like we said interest the loans are interest free until you start working I believe six months after you graduate okay uh, he wasn't working at the time like enough I guess to not qualify for the student loans he would take out these student loans for a semester and then just invest the money 
That's I mean, it's your money, right? Yeah, he, he would just he, invest yeah, and like inv- you know he would pay pay it off and you know keep the profit, obviously. Of course, I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't That's an idea for some of you guys, you know, if you can qualify student loans but you don't need them, you know, just invest. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, yeah. But you know, I think I think that was a blessing in disguise because I learned to pay everything through cash. Mm. Right. Um, I graduated school with, with a surplus, which is actually rare in most cases. Mm. We're also fortunate to be in Canada where tuition is so much more affordable than in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Although I would say our degree was probably close to 40,000 for our 120 credits. No, approximately. bro. I, I paid like 25K. Oh, really? Did you do 120 credits? Oh, because business courses, you didn't do as many business courses. Yeah, exactly. The business courses here were more expensive. So, but let's say 25 to 35K. Yeah. You know, in the U.S., I think if you're not in the same state, you're an out-of-state school, you could pay double or triple that amount yeah and even and even then like um there's there's a big emphasis in my high school of uh going out of province to school so mm-hmm. you know going to u of a going to mcgill going to u of t but as an out of province student that doesn't really impact our tuition as much as a americans no going from like pennsylvania to california the cost of living in another province also adds up as well because you don't know wow. any better as 18 mm-hmm. right like you think oh my god i want to live the, the, the university high life i'm going to go to mcgill i'm going to stay in a dorm i'm going to fucking pay seven grand a semester Hmm. Plus the tuition, plus the textbooks. We don't buy textbooks, by the way. Oh, yeah. Plus, well, I, I did at the beginning, but then I realized you got to buy them strategically only if you really need them. Dude, oh my god! And make sure to sell them again. Hundred percent, yeah. <laughs> the things that you student. Okay, so we can talk about the textbooks in a bit, but like, yeah, as an eighteen-year-old, you have this high life or this dream of I'm going to be this ideal university student that's going to study overseas, but you don't realize that you're going to be paying through the nose through the same education you can get at a local university. At, for, at a white university? At a local university. Local, okay. For a fraction of the cost, mm-hmm. right? It's, it's almost like you're, you're basically glamorizing this being this university student with all this freedom, but you don't realize the repercussions of what that could handle. It's a balance as well because some people say university is supposed to be some of the best days of your life before you, know, you get into the real, real world and start a family. And I would say university culture does play a big factor in the school you chose. Uh, both of us, we went to Simon Fraser University, and we have a reputation for not being a very fun school. And Simon Fraser engaged the world, bro. Engaged the world, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, at SFU, a lot of the students here are local students. It's known as a commuter school, so there's not too much of a social aspect. You really got to join clubs as much as you can to meet people. Not a lot of parties compared to you know UBC. Uh, I remember seeing a ranking two years ago of the universities in Canada, the top 47 universities with the best social aspect, be it like parties, social aspect and all that. And number one, I believe was Queens University, which makes sense. It's in Kingston, Ontario, nothing really there. So people are all from out of town, you know, looking to meet new people, have fun. Uh, SFU was 46 out of 47 on that list. I'm not surprised. What's 47th? I don't remember it, but it was, I think a school in the Maritimes. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. okay. Oh, I guess it makes sense, man. I mean, SFU is known to not be very social. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like shit. But you know, I think everything has a sacrifice. Because mm. I'll, I'll be honest, if, if I went to school, if I went to UVic or something where I partied more, I'd probably fail. <laughs> mm. I probably, I'd probably fail out of school. Yeah, well, it really yeah. depends on your time management and your self control and being able to, you know, work hard but at the same time enjoy when you can. But that's the thing, man. You're 18, dude. Yeah. Like when you start off, like, you, you, you. I don't, I'm not speaking to all 18 year olds, but <laughs> I was a fucking idiot when I was 18. Man. Oh, yeah? Yeah, like, obviously, like, bro. So I took, so my first econ exam, right? So the app, so for those who don't know what a bell curve is, a bell curve is based on the average mark. So if you have the average mark, you can get like a B to a B minus, but the lower you go into that average, the lower your grade is. Mm-hmm. So the average for my first econ exam was 54%. I was an idiot and I studied the night before my econ exam and I got 33%. Was this micro or macro? Macro. 
Mm. The first class I ever took, I was like, holy shit, I have, I, I, I'm gonna fail this you class. You have Choi? I had Choi. But oh. funny enough, uh, the Choi actually ended up being one of my favorite teachers because I was like, holy, I was like, okay, I need to kick it up. I need to kick it up a notch. I need to change my study habits. Then Econ 201 came around for you. Yeah, then I got fucked up with that. <laughs> Dude, this, Barking. This, I had her for three courses. She dude, was pretty this cool. Fucking okay. I'm gonna rant about my degree for a second, but the fact that this degree was so hard to get and the amount of times I fucked up has such a low rate of return for me mm. like I could have gone where I were, what I was at with a different degree straight well, up you're working in insurance yeah and I assume was the de- degree required to be hireable at a your place of employment it was, it was funny enough because um, I actually I actually had a full-time position with this company thank God they took me a year before I graduated mm. so for me, it was like my full time along my graduation. And at the time, yes, they, they required a degree like related to insurance, but then I could have just done any other, like realistically, I could have done a psych degree, a communications degree, a poli sci degree. Well, you never, never know, you know, life always has changes. We're still 24. Mm-hmm. Down the road, you could be working in a job that you use more of your econ degree well, and econ background. I don't, I don't think you thought of being an economist or something. No, like that, if you can land something no, man. no, no, no. Cause I really, I quickly realized research isn't for me. Okay. I, I hated looking at graphs, research, all this mundane shit. Uh, well, I found the graphs aspect of econ very interesting. Like, I, I'm a business major, for those who don't know, and I did my minor in econ, and I decided to do it because I'm like, instead of taking random electives where, you know, like, I'm not getting too much out of it, I'll just take a bunch of econ courses. Mm-hmm. It covers my electives, I get the minor out of that. Yeah. And I just found econ very, you know, the theory behind it, and just, you know, the graphs, and it's, it seemed very interesting to me. For, for me, it was a bit different because like I, I worked in this company. Like so I, I, I want to thank them every day that I'm here because they gave me the opportunity to, to really grow. But when I worked there for a year prior to graduation, I learned more and I more, learned more about the world in two weeks than I did in my four year degree, in my five and a half year degree. Two weeks on the job, you learned. Two weeks on the job. Mm-hmm. I learned how, why people do the things the way they do. I learned about corporate culture. I learned about the insurance bureau and the industry. So for me, it was, it was it was like holy shit! Like everything everyone has ever said about going to the job market is very true. You don't use a lot of what you learned. Mm-hmm. So when I when I, when I went to these classes where it was basically um, econ electives, I just I didn't really care. My mind wasn't in it mm. because for me, it's like wow, what I'm whatever I'm learning is all theoretical shit that doesn't apply to me anymore. So for for those yeah. listening um, who are in university and trying to hopefully get a good job after you graduate. Uh, grades are important, yes. Try to strive and do as well as you can to get a good GPA. But grades aren't everything. You got to be a well-rounded person. And when you're interviewing and networking with people, you got to be likable and be relatable. So make sure you, you know, you don't go, you go out of your way to be a balanced person and get experiences outside the classroom as well. I, I think that's what people forget too. But like, funny enough to go back to the degree, uh, econ degree, it took so much of my time to maintain a passing grade because it was that hard to pass. Like, uh, th- th- there's this case called Econ 201 where it was something called a gatekeeper course where they'd fail about 30 to 40% of students. That high. That high. And, and then they have another course called 302, which I also failed, by the way. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I also failed that course as well. Um, and that also has a high fail rate as well. And mm-hmm. that's after you spend about four years into this degree. Mm-hmm. So you're going to fail kids who are just about to declare and kids who have already declared. Well, the thing is, like, I didn't have to do that course for the minor. Thank, thank God I didn't have to do that course. Mm-hmm. But I would say that would encourage students to do that course early on because it's a 300 level. So then if you don't pass it, then you can... But it's also so fucked, man. No, to do something else. Because you've already declared, bro. You've declared, man. Like, you, you, you're so deep into the program that you've, like... 
Like, why fail again? Why fail students again, man, if you already declared? But like, you can do it right after 201, I'm saying. You could do it in your second year, you technically. Could, you could, but nobody really does, nobody really thinks They, they put it that. off, that's the thing. Exactly. If, if you know you have to pass it, you can not put it off. My question is, why, why make it so hard, man, to get this fucking degree, which I'm never going to use, man? But <laughs> yeah, it's, it just frustrates me to this day that like yeah. I had to spend so much of my time studying for this degree that I'm, I, I don't really use. Well, well, another thing as well, even though you have the, the good grades or you, you did really well in school, when, you, when you're out of school, whether you be self-employed or working for a company, a lot of it has to do, your success, a lot of it has to do with your street smarts and how you're able to network and get along with people. So I was interning at a bank in Hong Kong last year, and one of the directors, I was chatting with him for a little bit, and I was telling him about how some interns were pulling all-nighters, and you hear, like, especially in your first few years, it's really, you know, dog-eat-dog, dog. you got to work super hard. And he was telling me how it's not about working hard, it's about working smart as well. Like he said, he didn't really pull any all-nighters. He's just, uh, he was just like finessing. He said mm. he, he just talked to people, was likable, socialized, was relatable. And in the corporate culture, I think that's what gets you into higher positions. It's not about how hard you work. If you're just like a robot punching in numbers and spreadsheets and all that shit, you gotta be able to finesse your way up. I, I mean, dude, so, social, social like skills are very underrated, man. Mm -hmm. they're, they're, they're very underrated. Like you, you, learn this, you learn the stuff on the job. And you learn how people operate. You learn how to read certain people. Like we talked about this in the very beginning. You learn how to read certain people. You, like I don't want to suck up because I'll never suck up to anything. But you, you, you learn how to work smarter that way. And I, I think that's uh, something you have to learn as an experience. And that, I don't think school can ever teach you that. Um, I would think that also really has to play into the culture as well. Culture, how someone was raised. If they're raised that you'll be successful if you work the hardest. And you know just like you know not really have a life. Some people are... I guess program that way. It really depends on your upbringing too. It is, man. Like you've heard of something called tiger parenting. That's big in the in Asian cultures. Yeah, it, it's there's a strong emphasis on education. Just you know, being this unsociable person or this robot that 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 is really focused on the books. But mm -hmm. I think what most people are realizing is that that's not the best way to go about things. You need to learn how to interact with people. You need to learn how to have a wide variety of skill sets. You need to learn how to balance out certain things. Which is why I think even in university applications right now, especially for like business schools like Solder and BD, they require almost like a resume at this point. So you have your grades, but they also have your extracurricular activities. Funny enough, I actually got rejected from Solder, but whatever we can. Well, do. me too. Like yeah. I found out the very last day possible. Yeah. So some classmates in grade 12 were finding out like two, three weeks before me, yes or no, yes or no. And every day I kept refreshing. There was no email until the very last day possible. So apparently that meant I was just right on the cutoff. So like. It, Makes you think, like, what if I did get in? How I would have turned out? I probably have not met you, you know. Probably. I've so things things work out. Things things work out, man. It's yeah, it's funny enough because I actually went one of my, one of my old classmates since I was five at the halls of SFU, and now we hang out pretty much uh, most times. Mm -hmm. It's it's funny how life works out, man. Yeah, I'm a believer. Things happen for a reason, so things take their course as they should. It is, man. And honestly, like I, I was super like I was super mad at myself when I got rejected from because that hurt my ego. But like looking back six six years later. It's. Uh, I think it was just a blessing. It mm -hmm. really was because I, now I'm not surrounded in debt. I can. I'm looking forward to buying a place in fucking Vancouver. No, mm -hmm. well Burnaby. Burnaby, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's just. It's, well, you'll be close to Boundary, so. Yeah, exactly. Buying that area. Not too far from home, man. Not, not too, too far. From, but you know what? The fucking housing prices here, man. Mm. Like, do you think a millennial can ever buy a house here? Mm, well, if you have a high enough paying job, yeah. <laughs> no, like, like, like a millennial that's like that's renting and living with a, with a person. Yeah, it's tough because in the Vancouver market, it's been very speculative the last few years. Um, I've been a realtor for four years while finishing university up. 
and I was really active during the hot market where every month prices were going up even 10 to 20 percent in one two month time period a lot of it had to do with you know speculation builders foreign investment you know foreign buyers and yeah it's tough so you know government's been introducing more regulations to try to you know curb the housing market stopping stopping from making it go that much more up yeah you know? for those who don't know the context of this is that uh, it's six hundred thousand dollar asking price for a one-bedroom condo Mm. I can get that shit in Edmonton for two hundred thirty-two thousand dollars. Well, but then again, it's also Edmonton. It's all about supply and demand. We learned it, this in e- it, <laughs> Fuck off, man. <laughs> it's yeah. It's also like yeah. You can you can buy somewhere cheaper, but it's also like Edmonton. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah. there's that. Yeah. Um. Apparently, apparently, I was talking to my buddy about this as well. That you can actually buy like a place in Indonesia for thirty thousand dollars. An apartment or a house? Like like a two bedroom, like a two bedroom. Mm. For thirty, bro, like I could buy the shit out in cash. I, I think that's a reason why some people who like immigrated to another country, they decide to go back to their you know home country because the per, their purchasing power will be higher. Yeah. So you make a lot of money here, and uh, you can buy maybe like in your terms a bungalow here in Vancouver. <laughs> that same money can buy like a mansion in your home in your home country. So <laughs> fucking bungalow, <laughs> fucking yo, can I, I have a Vancouver special? Yeah. So oh my people God. make the decision: Would I rather live in Vancouver, or you know go back to my 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 homeland and you know be balling back there yeah, you, know, <laughs> you, you could man you could it's just like fuck our, our dollar goes so far man mm-hmm. our dollar goes hella far man mm-hmm. yeah but it, it's weird man because like now you also want to talk about you know income levels you can talk about basketball players on how much they make mm. I, w- I was seeing yeah. some posts today too um yeah like Kawhi's house in los angeles uh, was it thirteen thousand square feet like 13 million or something lebron's house is 21 uh, 80s house at the day was like 23 million 14,000 15,000 square feet yeah. yeah dude it's fucking insane how much they make but like you know people always uh, want to don't want to justify how much they make because they think you know teachers and doctors and nurses shouldn't make that much but at the end of the day I think it's just supply and demand like comes down to how much the market's willing to pay mm-hmm. like bro I, like you and I can pay probably pay 130 bucks to watch LeBron play mm-hmm. in Portland if you're down by the way because I know most like I know some people I know are going to drive down to Portland pay 130 bucks for nosebleeds US dollars mm-hmm. and drive up on the same day so they're willing to not, s- not even going to stay overnight no mm-hmm. so they're going to drive 12 hours I want tw- the possibility to see like you know Damien Lillard or yeah, AD or KCP you know KCP I, fuck I, that guy he's he's so shitty he's being overpaid he's getting paid like fucking 11 million and a guy like Lou Williams gets paid 8 million that's so unjust that's, that's, bu- that's bullshit but this this is what comes down to it's the demand for, for these type of things like people were going to drive 12 hours in total to watch a game and pay $135 USD to watch a game for about two and a half hours. Hmm. Entertainment value. It's entertainment value, man. Like, no, like, the market demand for fucking uh, surgeons isn't that high, which is why they don't get paid that much, unfortunately. Hmm. Right. But, bro, Trey Young? Trey Young, yeah. I think he's going to be an also. Oh, well, you think the Hawks be? are, what, the 13th seed or something last mm-hmm. time I checked. That's going to be tough. But Luka Doncic. Yeah. He's, okay. like, averaging close to a triple-double in his second year. He's definitely the MVP race. Uh, he's averaging like 39 and a half, nine and a half. Yeah. He had 19 games in a row of 20 points, five rebounds, five assists at least. And that surpassed Michael Jordan for yeah. the record. He had 18 in a row. Luca had 19 in a row. Fuck, man. Yeah. Okay, so in terms of this, like how happy are you? How happy are you that Golden State's not good? Isn't the powerhouse that was be? It was. Well, it's good. There's more parity in the NBA now. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess the last three, four years, people would assume it's going to be Golden State and whoever... LeBron's team is in the East who's going to make the finals 
I know with a lot of the off-season moves and even some of the moves before the season started or during the early part of the season, there's a lot more parity in the NBA. It's up in the air who's going to be in the finals, who's going to take it all. And I think that's better because, like, well, Golden State won for the past five years in a row. No, no, they had a, a lot, the lot one time. They blew the 3-1 lead, you know, the 3-1 jokes. <laughs> They were up 3-1 against the Cavs, and they blew it. I know. But I, know. I think, yeah, they won four out of uh, – no, three out of five. Three out of five. Uh, I thought it was four to five. No, they won one. Okay. They they lost the next one. That was 3-1 lead. Mm-hmm. Then they won two with KD. And then the third one they lost with KD. KD mm-hmm. went down to the injury. Klay Thompson went down to the injury in the finals against the Raptors. Yeah, yeah. yeah so they made five straight finals. One lost, one, one lost. Dude, when Durant came on? Like, Join the team? Oh yeah, yeah people it, are like, he's dude, a snake, cupcake. Yeah. Fucking hell, man. <laughs> but no, I'm, honestly, I'm just, excited. I'm just excited for LA, bro. Just the Clippers both, or the Lakers? Both, Or just man. in general? Just in general. I'm just excited for LA, man. Like, mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to, to them in the season. I mean, yeah, I'm, so don't assume anyone I'm going to say that I'm a Clippers fan. I've been a Clippers fan since the Chris Paul, Blake Griffin days, Lob City. I know, like, Kawhi was part of the Raptors, were Canadian. But, like, yeah, Clippers are one of my teams. Clippers and the Raptors. This guy's a fucking bandwagoner. No, no, I've been a fan <laughs> for like since twenty. When did yeah. Chris Paul join? 2011, 2012? Yeah. So, you, so like, I, I was bandwagon then when Chris joined the team. But I've stayed. Yeah. I stayed with them. CP3, eh? Yeah, my God, man. Yeah, but the, what I also realized, man, is that most Filipinos are into basketball. Yeah, I think it's the national sport it's, in the Philippines. It's weird. Okay, here's they the, never make the Olympics, though. That's incredible. <laughs> okay, yo, so they never make the Olympics. We don't see a lot. We don't see any besides Jordan Clarkson. We don't see any Filipinos in the NBA. Mm. Yeah, it's their national sport. It's like fuck. We suck at our national sport that we can't even make. That none of us can even make the NBA. Maybe one day, hopefully, Bro, there's going to be a Filipino born in the Philippines player yeah. who makes it, or even like an American or Canadian or Western-born one. Yeah, but eventually. most of them are like five foot five. It's it's, it's going to be t- it's going to be tough. It's going to be really. Yeah, it has to be like a halfer, you know, maybe. Yeah, <laughs> no, I'm six two, but like I played in high school. I only played up to like grade ten. Not good enough, obviously. Dude, so you're six two, bro. I'm I'm five foot six and a half, man. The shortest player in the NBA was five three. Who's that? Muggsy Bogues. <laughs> okay. Five three, shortest player in the NBA. Was he from Was he from Was he from China or is that someone? Else? No, no, he's a he's a, a African American dude. You know, pretty good player, good handles. So at five three, he made a career. I don't know how many years he played. I think about ten years. He made yeah. a career out of himself. For himself. I mean. I'm, I'm just hoping one day we get a Filipino player on, on the team. Yeah, so I think, yeah, Jordan Clarkson, half he's, Filipino. He's is, he, half. is he the only one who's have Filipino descent in him? I don't know. I, I, that's the only person I know for sure that's Filipino. Mm-hmm. Half, at least. Well, I don't know if you've heard of James Yep. He's the star of the PBA, Philippine Basketball Association. <laughs> I don't know, man. If he can't make it to, yeah. the, to, the, to the big leagues, then I don't know who can. <laughs> <laughs> it's James Yep. <laughs> it's weird, man. Like, I, to this day, I don't know why... The, it's the Philippines' national like sport. Yet yeah, none of us can make it to the NBA. Well, you know, in the Philippines are very influenced by American culture. It is because they've been there forever. Like, and I, I think another forever. factor that plays into it is it's an affordable sport. And like football, well, you know, American football is not really big outside the U.S. But like for ice hockey or rugby, I guess there's more expenses involved. Whereas the basketball, all you need is a pair of shoes and a ball, right? And a hoop outside. True. And funny enough, I think I think sporting is is a, is a good way to get out of poverty for a lot of developing countries. Mm-hmm. Like um, I, I, like if you want to segue this into you know Brazil, uh, even Thailand, like their Muay Thai scene is fucking huge because that's the only way these kids can get out of poverty. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So if if they're able to make it big, make it big. But even even then, if they're good with their hands and they go into boxing and then you can make some. Manny Pacquiao, another good example. Exactly. Man, exactly. My mom goes crazy during the Manny Pacquiao fights. <laughs> knock him down, knock, knock him down. Oh, get dude. up, get up. The Mayweather, him against the Mayweather fight. It's stop this, running away, your 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 scaredy cat. Yeah, <laughs> still this day, like people say, oh, like you're, he's running away. But I think 
people who judge that sport don't know what the fuck that sport's about. Yeah, it's, like it's a point sport. Honestly, I don't find it super. Enter- I don't find boxing entertaining yeah. that much. Um, I watch generally if it's a Pacquiao fight, just because you know it's just hyped up. But I don't really find the the sport that entertaining. What I hate though is that people people who don't know anything about the sport have this critical aspect to it, like to these athletes. Oh, you know, like Mayweather shouldn't run, or he shouldn't do this, or he shouldn't do that. Yet you know nothing about the sport itself. So. Well, the thing is, like, I don't wa- I don't follow the UFC. I don't watch it consistently. But I find the UFC much more entertaining. There's more action. It seems like a more of a real fight. Yeah. More boxing. It's a lot of you know standing around and hugging. I don't. Know, sorry to offend any basketball uh, boxing fans here, but it's just like my preference. Yeah, you think? Uh, I, th- I think well, boxing boxing is, is is very technical. It's it's very technical. Yeah, it has a lot of good footwork. You know, good positioning, good body weight transfers. You you've done both, right? You've com- not competed, but you've participated both amateur. You know, in gyms and stuff, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. And, dude, I think the thing I want to talk about is just uh, violence in terms of youth. Because from this is from what I've noticed, man, is that when I was walking around downtown, especially people with their girls, if something kind of pisses them off, they want to, like, fight someone for it. They become mm-hmm. super alpha. Mm-hmm. But I think what people don't realize is the danger of violence. Mm-hmm. They, don't know, they don't know what it is. And it pisses me off because one punch to someone's face can knock them to the ground and they can kill them. I, I've seen a pretty... Brutal punch downtown walking around one time. The yeah. guy's phone went flying. Exactly. And like, yeah. were, were you? Uh, you weren't there. I, okay, that was. What, was it? No, I don't think I was there with you. Okay. But um, I've seen, I've seen, I've seen shit where you know someone would get punched in the face and their head would fall on the concrete. Mm. Yeah. That could kill someone. Mm-hmm. It's so stupid that people would want to resort to violence as the first thing because they don't know what violence. It Alcohol does. definitely plays a factor in yeah. nightlife and clubbing scene. But if it's just like walking down the road, like, no one's under the influence. It's just you know why would you? No, inclined to start a fight like it's so it's, I think it's also a lot of I think it's this group mentality like um, I don't know if you I don't know if you want to talk about this but especially in the city of Surrey it's it's known for, it's <laughs> kind of known for that group mentality I guess so yeah being here in Surrey um, the product the population is there's a large population of South Asians and I guess here people outside of Surrey and the rest of the greater Vancouver area know Surrey as I guess as being dangerous with a lot of you know turf war for gangs and gang violence going on here I think it's a little bit exaggerated. There is th- this uh, gang stuff going on, but yeah, um, the, the violence in, in this in the community of the, the gangs does I guess scare people off. It, it is, but I think it's just the fact that people don't know how bad violence can be. Mm. Because I, like I've been punched in the face for a straight hour, so I know how it feels mm-hmm. to, to, for for that balance. Straight to hour. For what sp- context? In terms of just like hard sparring, like actually getting hit in the face. Okay, but like you had breaks in between. Like it was an hour match. No, straight it was up. It was, five, it was like five minute rounds mm. with like a minute break. Mm. Okay. So, so, yes. how, how was your face afterward? Dude, I was fucked. <laughs> like, okay, Why didn't you tap out? You wanted to finish. No, no, because okay, it's kind of like a gym mentality thing, and so it's like you don't want to pussy out because if the guy still wants to keep going, you're like, okay, fine, let's keep going. But like, uh, there are a couple of times where I, I, I just had a, I came up with a bloody nose or came up with a really bad like head injury like head oh. like headache afterwards. But okay. it's no 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 serious head injury. No no serious no serious. I would never compete, man. I, I, this is why I went to school. I I wouldn't want to compete. But um, it's it's it, like it humbles the fuck out of you when you get punched in the face for an hour when you get tapped out mm. multiple times a week. It's it humbles you. It's mm. like holy shit, this hurts. Mm-hmm. This can kill someone. But for someone who's ever been punched in the face before, I'll admit I have. <laughs> exactly like. Once or twice. You, yeah, once or twice, and it, it humbles you because I, I think a lot of that comes up from a lack of respect of the other person, mm. right? Um, 
Yeah, if you, if, if, if you never, if, for example, if you never touch the fire, then how would you know what that pain is? How would you know mm-hmm. what that fear is? Mm-hmm. It's the same thing w- with this. Like, if you've never been actually beat the fuck up, then how would you know what that fear is? Mm. You, you just don't know. You really just don't know. So moral of the story, I'll, I'll go join in gym and try to get beat up and see what happens. Yeah, you know, it'll humble that. the fuck out of you, man. Because yeah. you, you don't know what someone else has, man. You really don't know what someone else has. Right? After this, do you want to fight? Hey, man, I mean, for sport, yeah. Yeah. For actual things, no. <laughs> yeah. I, I got weapons. Ah, see, that's the thing, man. No weapons, fist to fist, fist fight. Well, it depends, man. I mean, if, send, <laughs> I mean, uh, if, if we handshake, do some open palm, tap, uh, touch barring, yeah, why not? Okay, okay. I, I did Taekwondo. I got my first degree black belt. I stopped in like grade nine or 10, though, mm-hmm. so I'm a bit rusty, but you know, I still have the best, hopefully, was, deep down inside me. I stopped when I was 13. <laughs> uh, I, I got my black belt in Taekwondo when I was 13, but when I got back into mixed martial arts when I was 20. Two, 22, 21. Um, I was introduced to something called the low kick. The low kick. So basically, you kick below the belt. Like your crotch? No, no, no. Like okay, okay, good. Here. <laughs> yeah, and I was like, holy shit, this is effective. Mm. <laughs> it hurts a lot. Like, it hurts. No, it hurts a lot. I know it's, it's, it's like, this is faster. This is more effective. And yeah, because I, I I'm used to kicking both the way. It's no, so, no shin pads or any shin guards or anything like shin that. Guards, shin guards, for sure. But like, even kicking on the bag, it's like, this is so much more effective, much more leverage. Um, but yeah, there's a lot. To, there's a lot to the world that that, that people need to learn. Mm-hmm. And uh, when I think once you experience that level of not necessarily that, that fear and that discipline, then you you know you don't want to go that route unless you have to. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm 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 about the lifestyle where you just treat people well and try not to get involved in things that escalate into fights. Dude, you know? just talk it out, man. Talk it out. Just talk it out, man. Right? Like like what we're doing, man. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of war either. So. <laughs> no, no, not, not, not at all, man. If you can talk it out, then talk it out. Mm-hmm. But don't, don't fucking throw your fist like you're some alpha shit mm. as, as a first line of defense. I remember, yeah, downtown one time, I was trying to split a cab with some... Because I'm going to Surrey, right? So I saw, like, a brown guy, you just assume, you know, I'm going to Surrey, too. <laughs> and then he was, like, with a girl and some other guy. I'm like, hey, are you going to Surrey? Are you down to split a cab, you know, so it's cheaper? And he's like, well, who the fuck are you? And I'm like, oh, I'm trying to see if you guys want to split a cab. If no, that's fine. And he's like, I got a girl, can you see? And he like, started fighting me for no reason. <laughs> that, 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 I think that's the and thing. And the girl was stopping. And I, like, this guy was drunk as fuck. So I just like, you know, dodge. And I'm like, dude, stop. I was just backing off. Well, like, that's what the fuck are you doing? Well, that's the thing, man. Like, it's like, <laughs> if someone's with their girl, they just become more brave. Yeah. But that's so stupid because it puts the girl in danger too. Mm. You just don't know who you're messing with, man. You really, really don't. Yeah. No, I probably could have, you know, beat the shit out of him. He was a he was a tiny guy, actually. Well, the thing is, you don't know. Well, thing, you don't know. You don't know. Well, based on how he was throwing his punches, yeah. he's drunk, but yeah, he didn't really seem to like know what he was yeah. doing. Yeah, because like, dude, I got my ass kicked by a fucking tiny Korean kid. Mm. Yeah, so you, you, you don't you don't know. But he, he had skills, yeah. right? Oh, he dude, had, yeah, he, he knew was, what he was doing. Yeah, he was a fucking taekwondo motherfucker, and he kicked mm. my ass. Mm. He just, yeah, he he out. Little, little Kim, little Kim, yeah. yeah. I'm, He's the nicest guy, man. He came up to me. He was like, "Oh my god, it's good to see you again. What have you been up to? Yeah, you know, how's SFU and everything." But then the minute he got in, he kicked my ass. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's shit. You just don't know what people have, and that's just the scary thing. Mm. Cool, man. Uh, yeah. I think we're like an hour and ten. We can keep going a little bit. Like, what? how much what? more time do we have here? I don't care, bro. We can uh, still. Yeah, let's go till forty-five. You know, yeah, we'll oh, stay oh. too late for closing. Yeah, or whenever the hour ends, right? Yeah. Yeah, man, but. Uh, there's, there's a point I wanted to go back to when go, we were talking about uh, go back to it. Uh, housing and you know being a millennial in the city. Go back to it, yeah. Go uh, back to it. I was talking about how a lot of it has to do with you know speculation, you know foreign foreign buyers and all that driving up the market. And another point I wanted to bring up was the fact that it's less affordable now because income levels have not been rising at the same pace as housing prices. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's unfortunate. It's hard for 
if you want to live in a beautiful city like this, to to uh, be able to get housing. Mm -hmm. uh, Vancouver, from what I from what I remember, is the third most expensive housing market in the world. Top two are actually Sydney, Australia, and Hong Kong. Oh, okay. So I think Vancouver was uh, uh, median house price is about twelve times uh, income. Ooh. Australia was like fourteen or fifteen, and Hong Kong the median house price is eighteen times medium income. Eighteen times. 18 times. So if you're if you're making uh, fifty thousand dollars, that's almost like a million dollars. Yeah. So, so, so do you think that something similar to San Francisco is going to happen where people will want to leave the city because it's just so expensive to live there? Yeah, that, that, that really is a big thing. So if you don't have the high enough paying job in that city where it's practical to live there, either you're you know, just paying rent that you can, if it's affordable, you pay, pay the rent or you move on to a different city, right? Yeah, I think that's what Driving people out, especially towards the suburbs. So you commute like an hour to work. I think that's what's happening, to be honest, because I think most people are moving out into Surrey, Mm -hmm. just because Burnaby is now almost unaffordable now so Vancouver is fucked up Burnaby is also fucked up I think just people moving mm. out of the city and I, th I think even out of the province as well because I, I, like if Edmonton's cheaper or if Calgary's cheaper then you, you have no choice but to live yeah well we'll, we'll see in the next in the, in the coming years because generally I believe that although there are down points in the market in the long term real estate always goes up um, it's been pretty steady now from what I've seen the last year and a half especially uh, prices in many cases have also dipped down so it seems that the uh, introduction of several regulations by the government be it the provincial or federal government such as empty homes tax you know taxes on Airbnb and rentals uh, you know foreign buyers taxes has really been at least somewhat successful in stopping the market from rising as fast as it has been the prior years before this? I, th I think Vancouver is very distinct in the way its, it's economy is built because a lot of it is built on foreign investment mm -hmm. and even money laundering. I think, what was it, eight? I think it was five or six five billion. Five or six billion dollars of our economy is based on money laundering? No, no, it it, it, it said, I think the report said that in the housing market in Metro Vancouver, five to six billion dollars came from uh, proceeds of money laundering. Fuck, yeah. man. It's, it's, corrupt. it's a corrupt city. It's a... Yeah, it's, it's pretty corrupt. Yeah. That's why, like, I've encouraged you, I encourage a lot of people, especially uh, especially young people, to, you know, in your 20s and 30s, you should move from Vancouver. We've discussed this, that I find here the culture is not as open and fun as other cities in Canada, be it Toronto or cities in Asia and Europe. Uh, you know, people here just seem more closed off, and it's more of a cliquey culture where people... I've noticed. ...don't really socialize outside of their general friend circle it's kind of odd just to approach a random group of people in a bar and be like hey what's up whereas having traveled quite a bit to many different uh, cities and countries i'm very comfortable just walking up to strangers and being like hey i'm you know visiting you know is it cool if i join you guys for drinks and it's i'm just very open that way whereas like here it's not as accept socially acceptable or yeah it's, it's very encouraged to do something like that it's, it's very it's very different here it's very different here because people don't want to mesh here i think it's just I don't know what about the city. It's funny because Canadians yeah. are considered to be friendly. Like, we're, yeah, we're friendly, we're nice. But in Vancouver particularly, although you're nice, you don't really want to be friends with people you're not already in your circle. Yeah. It's, like, it's I notice hard. people don't like mixing friend groups either. Yeah, I, I've noticed that too. It's, it's, it's hard. I don't, know what it, I don't know what it is though, man. Like, I think, it's just a, I think it's just a cultural thing that just somehow got into Vancouver. Mm -hmm. Or maybe it's just not, not, a, not a big enough city for, mm -hmm. for that type of stuff. Yeah, three comments in particular one of my buddies from Toronto was visiting here. He came when he was a kid, but first time he came as an adult. The first thing he texted me after he left was like, Lawrence, uh, yeah, thanks for you know showing me around a bit. Vancouver's beautiful, but 
It just seems that people are waiting to die. It was so dead. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, you should go to Victoria, man. Yeah. That, that, that's fucking retirement city. Oh, yeah. It's retirement city. Here's the second quote now. Uh, a good friend of mine in Hong Kong, uh, she came here to study at UBC. Her friends in high school and her you know, local friends in Hong Kong, when she told them that she was going to go to Vancouver for school, they were like, wait, why did you accept an offer in Vancouver? That's where our parents go to retire. It's not where you go to be a student. <laughs> a bunch of people told, told her that apparently. Oh, really? Yeah. Because in Hong Kong, there's a lot of people, Hong Kong people with ties to Vancouver. So that's the perception over there. <laughs> Like Fuck that's a retirement up. city. Okay, we've you know made money. We can go retire in Vancouver now. She should that's, that's to, the attitude. She should have went to SFU Burnaby. I think she would. I think she. <laughs> at least she was at UBC, right? Yeah, For exactly. Last yeah, and it's a bit of a more bra. Yeah. Okay, mm -hmm. go on. I'm trying to remember the third comment now. It'll come back to me, anyways. Yeah, ho hopefully, hopefully it comes back, man. Yeah. Hopefully it comes back. But yeah, I mean, just it's 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 hard to make friends outside of your group. Mm -hmm. I don't know what. I still don't know what it is to this day, mm. where everyone just wants to stick to their own friend group. Mm. I, I don't know. Now that reminds me of what I, the, the next comment now. Um, I went on a date with a girl some time back. She's from Vietnam. And she said, she goes to UFV. And her University of Fraser, Fraser Valley. Valley, yeah. So the, she was in her like uh, second year or something like that. She said it was really tough the first semester or, some, or so, where she grew up in a culture in Vietnam where people like, become close very quickly. So like if someone's a cool person, they like you, you know, like, hey, you can sleep on my couch, you know, let, let's chill and all that. Where when she came here, it was harder to find that camaraderie and genuine friends who were like down to, you know, have that connections right away or like, you know, have an understanding because the culture here is more closed off, she found. Oh. Yeah. Okay. It's really, it's really different in Asia. Like I've been to diff different cities in Asia. Yeah. And people are just so friendly. I was in Seoul, South Korea, and uh, I'm just in Hongdae, one of the party districts there. There's three party districts in South Korea. So one of the best party cities in the world, highly recommended. Um, these Korean people just started offering me uh, rice wine on the street. There was a big wagon. They bought a bunch and was just passing it to me. And I'm like, oh, thank you so much. <laughs> oh, where are you from? I'm from Canada. Oh, we love Canadians. Oh, and they just kept giving me. Yeah, well, yeah. It's, uh, yeah, I mean, I I've traveled a bit too, and it's, it's, it's the exact same thing that, uh, from what I felt. But it's just, I think it's just a thing to Vancouver. I think that's what gives, to, gives its love. Mm. Uh, and I've been, I've been to Cuba. I've been to, I've been to South Africa. I've been, I've, no, I haven't been to South I've been to Cuba. I've been to Iceland. Um, I've been to Thailand, and it's just Vancouver is very distinct. Uh, and for me, it, it has a has a has a place in my heart somewhere, mm. despite it, despite all its flaws. Uh, so for for you who who has that you know sentiment, and for anyone else who has that sentiment as well, where Vancouver is your home, I highly encourage everyone though, even if you want to live here, to travel, 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 see the rest of the world. I feel a lot of people are just so comfortable being here in Vancouver and just spending their money here. When you have the time and you have vacation time. If you, if you can have the opportunity, go visit new cities, experience what people are about, and just learn new cultures. Because I find by traveling and just seeing different ways of life and how things are different um, in you know, different cities and cultures, you can really grow in your perceptions as a person. No, I, I, think, I, think, I think you're right about that because uh, the more you travel, the more you learn about different cultures. Because if you're just stuck in one city for the rest of your life, then what do you know? Mm -hmm. you, you only know up to the boundaries of your city. Mm -hmm. But when, you, like, when I went to Cuba, this was, a, this was a shock to me was we couldn't use our cell phones because there was no cell servers mm. except we went to the hotel mm. so when we were walking down the boulevard we noticed that their families are playing outside they, they were looking at their kids they had strollers everywhere it was so it was so pure and so wholesome but now when we, when we walk back here all these kids are on their iPads they're looking down on their mm. phones there's no, there's no interaction mm. with them anymore it's, it's tough now for 
the younger generation, young kids. Um, I remember like as a four, five, six year old, you know, playing, you know, in the playground, you know, just socializing without, I guess the only technology I had was like my Game Boy Advance. That was pretty much it. Yeah. And I remember at Guilford Mall, I saw the play area. They didn't really have any uh, playground stuff. They had iPads all across the wall, maybe like 20 iPads. And I just walked by. Every single kid was just playing on the iPad individually. And there were some complaints and the iPads were all taken down. And yeah. they introduced some like play sets instead. It's crazy. I think this is what, I think we're honestly losing the ability to socialize with others. Because if, if, even if, have you noticed, if you were to sit down with someone and um, if you were talking to them for an hour, an hour and a half, what are the chances of that person besides myself would be looking at that phone? Yeah, I like look- you checked it once. Yeah, like yeah. if you check it like a couple times, that's fine. Mm. I've, I've been around people who just check it constantly, way yeah. too much. Like there's a reasonable amount to check your phone. Yeah, but like, if you're interacting with someone, you know, focus on the moment, focus on the now. It's weird because, like, what the fuck does this piece of metal have over us, you know? It's just, like, the it world is so connected now. Yeah. From, like, my experience, like, having studied abroad for a little bit, working abroad, and just meeting people in different cities. I have friends all over the world, and it's just so easy just to start a conversation. I like talking about current events and, you know, just general, you know, shooting the shit. And it's just so easy to message, you know, a friend there, a friend there, and just talk about so many different things. Our minds are scattered yeah. all over. It's, it's, yeah, because, like, we're essentially operating in a world where we, we have too much things going at the same time. Like, um, for example, I bet if you turn on your phone right now, you're going to have Snapchat notifications, IG notifications, NBA mm-hmm. notifications. We're just, we're just notified left, right, and center mm-hmm. that it's hard to keep focus on one thing. I think this is, I think we're developing, slowly developing like a, a culture of ADD mm-hmm. where we need to focus on too many things at once, but we can't have a specialization in one. I've noticed that personally too. I find just even in my day-to-day life, mm-hmm. I have so many different things on my mind at the same time going on. Yeah, what the fuck? Okay, cool. It's, it's like different tabs, you know. It is. All right, man. So uh, we got about 30 seconds. You got anything else to say, man? Um, now this was really fun to do. It's my first podcast. Thanks for having me on. Uh, I think we covered a lot of good content. Dude, man, it's just, like I said, uh, follow the conversation, man. It's, it's therapeutic therapeutic yeah yeah man yeah. So hopefully our voices are soothing for everyone it's right man <laughs> a little bit of asmr here and there man it's oh. asmr it's a it's a thing where like people whisper in the mic and people fall asleep to it uh, it's like a, hello my name is joe good morning good afternoon yeah. good night. and they do the little rubbing they do the little rubbing thing they rub the mic and everything it's it's really weird for some people people because mm. people eat and like people fall asleep to people chewing on like food well they're chewing on food yeah it's like so there's food in your mouth as you fall asleep. Yeah, so you must be hella tired to fall asleep mid chew. No, 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 no. So, so there's no, no, no. So, so there's a mic, right? Then people listen to someone else chewing food. Oh, I see. I see what you yeah. mean. Okay, okay. So it's like, no, it's a big thing I've seen on social media where people just watch people eating and oh. chewing certain foods. Like they they get suited by the crunch of crispy food or like the swish of like a liquidy food. Like yeah. I find it just a, it's not my thing, but you know, apparently some people like no, that. No, funny. It's, it's, it's really weird. Like. This is gonna be really weird, but I recommend to have an open mind. Try it. look look at some ASMR shit, and uh, yeah, hopefully, hope we go to sleep. Uh, yeah, I think that's that, that's IG page I saw. Oh, was it? Yeah, I think Dude, it was an ASMR IG uh, page. Was it Van Lee that? Okay, so this is a Canadian tire commercial where Van Lee was doing ASMR. He was whispering and shit. It's so soothing, man. It's so weird. It's so soothing. Hmm. All right, man. Fuck. Okay. <laughs> okay, okay. Okay, we're good to go. I think we're good. Yeah. So. All live, right. Good live after. the dream. Good night. Ha, 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 ha.